Welcome. You're listening to The Pulse, a Merge podcast series that inspires clinical thought leaders to share best practices on their pursuit to delivering standards of care. Here's Todd Budka, founder and CEO of Merge. Today, we're chatting with Mike Silva, clinic manager at Wellspan, where we hope to learn a little bit about him and his device clinic and the balancing act of delivering great care. Mike, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thank you for joining us today on The Pulse. We're uh, we're really excited to have you here with us to just share a little bit about what you do, what your organization does, and um, we're always looking to share with people how to provide better patient care as it relates to implantable cardiac devices. If I could, I, I might just ask you, could you share just a brief about you and your role um, within Wellspan? Sure. So. Um... I came to Wellspan in 2015. I've had a pretty cool career. I've done trauma, transplant, pediatrics, EP. I've just had a very exciting, very rewarding career. And um, I came to Wellspan because we moved to this location uh, from up from south uh, in Maryland. And uh, uh, there was a job in the EP lab. And I started working there and then slowly kind of evolved roles over the past few years and and now I'm the uh manager here at the device clinic. EP lab trauma transplant sounds like uh <laughs> you you've been around the core of the heart I'm sure. It, it, what what gravitated you to EP and or um the cardiac space? So I was always fascinated with cardiac um even back to my um, early days as a nurse, um, even, a, I mean, I started out in healthcare when I was 18, actually as an EMT. Oh, wow. And, um, so just, I was always fascinated with cardiac over the years and, and wanted to get more involved in it. And then I actually was a device patient. Um, so I actually had an implanted cardiac device for a while, uh, back in the days when they were dropping them in everybody for syncope. I ended up for with one. And um, so it fascinated me and I, I wanted to know more about it. And then I kind of got into the field um, where at my previous hospital where I was working from. And then when the job opened up here, I was like, okay, this is, you know, I want to continue in this career and in this field because I just, I have a passion for it. I love it. So from your standpoint um, with, with our audience, maybe the size and scope of your device clinic and your device team, um, maybe you can just, again, we, we tend to try to frame everything to our listeners of just, all right, well, who's, who is this person? Why, why is this relevant to me? Are they similar size and shape and look and skill set that we offer? You know, maybe you can share a little bit about that as it relates to your device clinic that you manage. And the Wellspan as a whole. Yeah, sure. So Wellspan in itself is one of the biggest care providers in this region. We're not, we're not associated with it uh, in, in certain specialties. We're associated with academic centers, but we're not an academic center, uh, but one of the largest healthcare providers in the region. Um, and then there's, so we have approximately 3,800 patients currently and are growing every day. Um, and then we have other clinics in our region that have anywhere from 300 patients to up to 1,500 in some locations, 2,400 in other locations. Um, and a lot of those locations have been siloed over the years, um, but we've been working to try to bring them all together 
um, you know, in some ways, at least by processes and how we take care of patients. Um, and, and we've been able to do that recently um, over the past year or so, which has been great. So we're kind of working more together when a lot of these clinics were working kind of separately. I was actually working on the alert management side of things and, and taking care of um, managing device alerts when they were coming in from the device techs. Um, and I was on the nursing side of things. And I, because of my knowledge of working in the EP lab, I kind of dove in a little bit more. They didn't really have anybody leading that that charge. And so they kind of brought me in to do that, which was great. And so I got to even delve into more into devices and then, you know, helping to set up processes and how we do things. Well, when you, you know, everybody talks about the deluge of information and they come from disparate sources and now all of a sudden you have like dispersed care, right? And yes. protocols and quality and how do you standardize and not every location is going to have the same level of uh, clinical knowledge around these devices, right? I imagine right. Um, some of the smaller centers may not have any. And uh, uh, it sounds like you guys have recognized that and have looked at ways to try and uh, address those, those open issues that might've been lingering for a long time. Yeah. And one of the ways we did that was, having the right tools in place. So utilizing yeah. the right software to manage all of that, because we were kind of using some clunky software and, and the different locations were using it differently. Um, so the, the, the documentation was different, the processing was different, and we wanted to kind of standardize things to kind of bring it all in line with each other. Like you said, there's, there's variances between locations of maybe what's written or, uh, you know, it's not all exact, but at least it's more relational than it used to be. Um, and mm -hmm. so when you transfer patients in, or when you, you treat mutual patients, there's more understanding involved, which is great. Well, you got to have a consistency of care. I would imagine just in documentation reporting, you know, I, I have noticed over my career and witnessing different clinics and even even the same clinic with the same staff in the same room and you would have four nurses arguably one's writing a novel one's writing a sentence one doesn't want to write in it at all they just document somewhere else and and, and all of a sudden you just start to see this this variability in the same room under the same umbrella and it, it's yes. it's rather comical and it might be imposed because of the care provider that they're supporting demands it right so there's right. all sorts of reasons things happen um it, it's pretty funny to just watch and and see how it impacts things downstream because all of those uh, to us and what i've seen it's, it's a big ripple effect um to care given six months later when somebody else is looking <laughs> absolutely yeah and then you know on the other end the people who are receiving that information are trying to you know understand it so if they're getting like multiple different versions of 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 those reports or that information it makes them harder for like you said it's that that consistency of care if you're not providing yeah. that it's really hard for you know people to process that when they're receiving that information so so mike how long have you been in your existing role as as the manager of the device clinic i've been in this role a little over 2 years now uh, august was my anniversary so again i was i was pretty involved with alert management and helping with device you know patients and things but still wasn't actually managing those patients myself. And, and mm -hmm. now I'm 
now I'm part-time clinical when, when we, when our staff is down. And so I get to manage devices, which I love. Um, it's awesome. <laughs> yeah. But, um, you know, so I still get that hands-on, which is fantastic, but then I also help to manage the clinic, which is great as well. So when you came on board as the device manager, you looked at this clinic and you go, all right, what are some things we need to do differently? And, and, or how might I make my mark on this, that there's a better way, you know, I don't know if you inherited a well-oiled machine or if, uh, you thought there were, there were gaps there that seemed consistent, um, that you've seen in the past that you wanted to resolve. So I thought there were huge gaps. There were really no written policies or protocols for how things were done. We were managing all of our devices with what I considered to be a clunky software, and I, I thought there's got to be, with, with all the advances in technology and everything that you do out there with these devices, I'm like, there's got to be a better, better way to manage this stuff. Mm -hmm. um, so I started doing my research on that. We had a, a really awesome lead tech who was trying to run the clinic, but one, she was first to, to admit that she wasn't a person who wanted to manage people or manage a clinic, and she wasn't being given the tools or the support to help move things along. Um, mm -hmm. And we had a lot of staff who were untrained, um, inexperienced, and still learning. So there was so many things that needed to be worked on. And um, it's a slow process. I'll, I'll tell yeah. you that. I mean, we've we've come really far, you know, with with a lot of the things that we're doing, but we still have so far to go, but I still feel it's better. Um, and I'm always trying to look for what we can do to improve um, either clinically, um, with processes, with uh, how we utilize the software, all of that. Um, you know, cause it's, it's got to evolve constantly, right? You got to change. Yeah. You got to be willing to change. One of the things I hated as a nurse over the years was I'd hear other nurses say, well, we've always done it that way. Well, <laughs> you know, yeah. Okay. You've always done it that way, but isn't there a better way or can't, might there be a better way? Those kinds of things. And I've always tried to have that philosophy that if there's a better way and we can make it happen, let's do it. It's funny. I'm a, uh... I'm a creature of habit. I go out to dinner. I eat the same thing. We go to the same <laughs> restaurants. I always tell my wife, I don't deviate. Like it works. I'm going to order it. And but, but it's funny because carrying it into software development and, you know, my appetite versus providing care, like there's just this constant thought that things could be done better. And mm -hmm. uh, it's it's refreshing to hear you say say that, you know, from your position, um, and constantly looking at it. And um, so anyways, it's, it's just kind of comical. Uh, I'm, I, I think about, wow, I, I operate differently in business than I do in my personal, <laughs> my meal selection. <laughs> That's awesome. But you know what? I mean, but you have a point there as well, though. Like if there's certain things that need to be consistent and you need to do on a regular basis, because it's important to do so to, for safety or for, for good reasons, then you need to be consistent in those areas as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's, that's fair. When I might've missed, so forgive me for asking again, at your location, you mentioned about 3,800 patients. How, how many staff members do you have and how many like cardiology and or electrophysiologists do you support? And does EP manage all of the devices or do the cardiologists manage them as well? Like what's that look like from your clinical function? Yeah. So currently we have five EPs in our office. 
and one who's kind of part-time who's probably going to end up coming full-time. They manage all of our devices. They, they, they felt very strongly that they did not want cardiologists that may not understand all the intricacies of the devices to be um, you know, involved with that. Although we do have other clinics that, that, that have that kind of management in the system where the, the general cardiologists are involved with their reads and everything. But ours here in New York, they wanted to kind of keep it that way. Sure. So five EPs, 3,800 implanted devices. And now we currently have six technologists. That's another cool thing that I was able to do was I, I was able to start justifying why we needed more staff. Um, so I've doubled my staff, um, since I came and we have one more, hopefully I'll be hiring into that spot soon. And the reason for that is we're going to be able to do things that we've not been able to do before. So we had no coverage at the hospital. So a lot of our device representatives have had, have been the ones who have been, had to provide that coverage. And so now we will be able to actually have staff developed to function at the hospital to provide that coverage for MRIs, for in-hospital checks, um, which is going to, you know, improve our care delivery at the hospital. That's cool. Yeah. I mean, you're not sitting static where you just sit behind a desk all day and all you do is a remote check. You, you guys have in-office and whether it's mm -hmm. in the ED or, you know, the third floor, or the cath lab, you're, you're, Sounds like you're sending staff all around to support the needs of the organization and become less dependent upon the uh, the sales representatives from the device companies. Is that fair? Yes, that's fair. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's a big on-taking. I know where my experience has been clinics were very heavily <laughs> utilizing the device reps for providing the care and doing all those things. So making that investment is pretty cool to hear. Um, yeah. It's, I'm, I'm, I'm very excited that I have the leadership support to do that. Um, it's pretty cool. So I just think it's going to be great for patient satisfaction, for provider satisfaction. Mm -hmm. You know, as you know, you've worked in this field for a long time. A rep could be cross town at another hospital doing a procedure and they may want to check on that patient. Well, mm -hmm. they may have to wait to get that. Well, if we have staff in the hospital, at least during the weekdays, the stuff that can do that, then they don't have to wait as long. We can get, you know, and so then the provider gets that information quicker. And yep. if there's something that needs to be done to treat the patient, that's done quicker as well. Hey, Mike, the answer is always, we'll be right there. Yes. <laughs> That's right. Yes. We're on our way. You might be waiting a little bit, but we'll be right there. Uh, no, no problem. But you, I got to ask you, I mean, obviously you're still involved in this. So you, you, you must've had a passion for EP as well. You know, I did. And, uh, I, it grew, right? I I, mm -hmm. I really immersed myself into this world coming from Apple. I yeah, I didn't know anything about the heart. So, and hopefully you win the respect of physicians and clinicians for the support that you could offer and the clinical aptitude and knowledge of the devices. You, you have to immerse yourself in it. Otherwise, you're going to fail at your job. So, and by no means would I claim to be the most clinical. But it was fun and I, I was learning a lot. So, but if you paint the picture in my world years ago where I covered sort of a 50 to 80 mile radius in any direction, you know, you could drive an hour one way, hour and a half one way, check one patient that stubbed their toe walking in their house. 
<laughs> ER, you know, yeah. is going to say check their pacemaker. So you drive an hour to go check this patient at that time. And then you drive home or drive to uh, another clinic that's another hour, another away, away in a different direction. And then 45 minutes later, that clinic at, at the other direction calls you again for another patient in the ER. And you're just, you know, that made no sense, right? Do you yes. just like yeah. driving here and there? And, and obviously the, the adoption of remote hadn't been there initially, but it was evolving. But then still the clinics or clinics, the hospitals and their ERs weren't necessarily maximizing the usage of the different remote monitors that could just be leveraged in the ER on the floor. Um, they were constantly calling representatives to check these devices. Now, you know, software doesn't necessarily fix all that, um, but it can fix a lot. And mm-hmm. uh, I just thought there had to be a better way. And you start, you know, start pulling the thread, right? Okay, if there's a problem in the ED, well, where where's the bulk of the patients? Well, they're in the clinic. Well, what kind of problems are in there? And then I just started to think about how might we be able to change the behavior of the way we interact with these patients um, for better care and you know, obviously profitability and uh, mm-hmm. efficiencies and all of those things. Um, so that was sort of the reason I, I, I started to do what I do and how yeah. we started our company. So it's been fun. Uh, and then, yeah, no, we are so passionate about this area of care and what we we seek to deliver to help it. You know, that's, I, I got to tell you, that's one really cool aspect about working with your team and the people that I've been able to interact with uh, since we started um, and is that a lot of them do have a great knowledge of this stuff and, and um, an understanding and, you know, are all of them experts? No, but they, they all seem to get parts of it and or lots of it. So um, mm-hmm. it's, it's just, that's one thing that I've really enjoyed it, through this relationship. It's been awesome. So I'm going to ask you a random question just because I did a little sleuthing about you. <laughs> um I, I'm I'm learning you like yakking. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and and for those listening, this is a combination of kayaking and fishing that I guess is called yakking, which is just a horrible name. But uh, <laughs> I, tell me a little bit about this one because I love to fish. So uh I, I learned you did too and uh where did you fall in love with the kayak? So when I was a younger man and didn't care about my personal safety, I used (laughs) to go on some like pretty vigorous uh, kayak trips. Well, it was like closed canoeing actually uh, with some friends of mine and um, did some rapids and got beat up and hurt a lot. (laughs) Um, So I, I always loved it, but then um, my family and I just one year, they, they got kayaks for, as a, like a father's day gift, birthday gift combo. And so I would go out on the lake and paddle. And then I had a, a boat that I bought. I had a little like bass boat and it was kind of a pain to get out there by yourself and do all the stuff that you got to do with it to manage it and everything. And I started doing more research and I was like, there's motorized kayaks that you can fish in. And I, I love to fish. I've fished since I was a little kid. And so uh, I traded in my boat and bought this little motorized kayak that it's, it's really cool. It's like, I just control it with my feet and have a little throttle on the side and I can just go around just casting and just 
putt putzing around the lake at about four miles an hour. So, <laughs> and I can get into so many different areas. So, oh um, yeah, I only got to use it a couple times last year um, to get out, but I'm I'm gonna be going crazy with it this year. So, as a matter of fact, Larry says he wants to take me out on the bay and try to hook me in the rockfish. <laughs> so I was like, okay, I'm game. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we. Uh... Uh, I mean, it's not the time of season right now here in Santa Cruz. We right now is just like big surf season. And mm-hmm. I don't know, for those who follow the national news, I think our, our little town has been front and center with all these winter storms and uh, the, the conditions of flooding and the oceans mm-hmm. just been relentless. But it's a good surf season. But in the summer, uh, the Monterey Bay becomes a lake. And um, and so we fish. And so. Yeah. I, I fish off of a paddle board um, oh, cool. and you just okay. paddle out and, you know, you put your, grab a little reach down and you look around the kelp beds and I'll grab a piece of kelp and stuff it under my foot so that I don't keep drifting. And then you can <laughs> just fish little holes in the kelp beds and uh, yeah, we'll catch halibut and sea bass and rockfish. Oh, wow. it's, cool. it's a lot of fun. Yeah, it sounds like it. Sounds yeah, like those halibut are nasty. They're good fish, but they're mean. <laughs> they're mean. So yeah, fishing is a lot of fun. It, it was fun to learn that you like to fish. There's kayaks out there as well, so I, I see it and appreciate it because you can definitely maneuver much quicker even on the kayak and uh, get into places. Yeah, my father was a coastie, so uh, we we were around the water all 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 my life pretty much. So wherever we were, we were fishing. Now, do you miss your previous roles, like in the cath lab? Like, what, what, where do you find most enjoyment in your career path? If you look back, so, so I, I loved working in the lab. I loved doing procedures, but um, you know, again, standing around and letting sound like an EP uh, is yes, yes, (laughs) yeah, Uh, it's, it's tough, you know, like I, but I did love working in the lab. I love doing procedural stuff. I just love taking care of patients. I love being with people. Um, I've always loved that. I, I, you know, I, I just think it's about relationships, even when you're teaching them about their devices or things like that. So I love to teach. Um, I love to share my knowledge with others, you know, when, when you're teaching something, somebody new about devices and everything. So I've, I've enjoyed all the aspects of my career. Um, I really have, I've had, like I said, I've done some really cool stuff over the years. You know, I, I think back to the days when I was flying out to get livers and, and things like that, when I did transplant and, you know, and I, I trauma, the, the high adrenaline stuff when you're pulling people off helicopters and things like that. So I've, I've just, I've just feel so blessed to have done so many cool things over the years, you know? So I, 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 I could take, if I could take pieces and put them all together into one job, I would, but yeah. I love what I do now. I really yeah. do. Does your staff from the working hours and coverage for the device clinics, what, what, how do you guys approach it? Is there a, I don't want to say 24 seven, but you know, what's the, what's the operating sort of premise that you guys work around? Is it a seven to five, seven to seven, plus you got docs on call. Yeah. So um, ours is primarily office hours, like seven to three 30, seven to four. Yeah. Um, sometimes we'll have later things. If, if a, if a provider's here, we have some people who will flex a little bit uh, with their hours. Um, but our goal is to try to get, you know, we, we see the patients in clinic, 
Uh, mm-hmm. We try to get to the remotes. We usually, you know, have extra help on the, you know, how after the weekend, it's usually um, those kind of things. It's it's busier. Um, yeah. So we we try to have more staff helping on, in those areas at that time. Um, but it's a matter of, you know, trying to like just kind of set standards for how we just a- approach things. Um, we don't do after hours alerts or anything like that because, you know, um, we just, again, we try to educate our patients to say, hey, you know, if you're feeling bad, um, if something's going on, you really need to be going to the hospital or calling calling the doctors after hours. How it works with our system is we have a lot, we've added a lot of providers over the years. Um, it's It's one of the biggest cardiac centers in the area. What's cool about it is we've brought in some really good talent from over all over the nation. So we're doing some very advanced stuff. Um, they're doing research projects. Um, it's even though it's not an academic center, it almost operates as one at times. Mm-hmm. Um, but so there's the coverage could be, it could be a general cardiologist. It could be an EP. It could be an interventionalist um, covering at the hospital over the weekend or uh, for cath call or things like that. So, um, but our alerts are pretty much managed during the daytime hours. Um, and, you know, we try to, we try to really prioritize and triage. Um, we also have support from the EP nurses who will do a lot of triage management when we do get alerts for like patients with VTA or have gotten a shock or things like that. We'll forward that information to them and then they triage it, take it to the doctors or provider or APPs and they deal with it and then get that information back. And then we decide what, what we're doing with it as far as, you know, it changing, changing alerts or, or adjusting things with the device, that kind of thing. Sure. No, all makes, makes great sense. sounds like you guys have evolved into a pretty well-oiled machine with continuous improvement, which is, which is really refreshing. Yeah. And I have a really good leadership team that, that, that I can't, I can't say it enough has been extremely supportive of what I do. Um, I, they don't, you know, they'll question me and ask me why or what, what I need, but it's, they, they kind of, they, they've shown that they really respect my knowledge um, and respect what I have to bring, which is wonderful when you don't feel like you're, you're struggling to get what you need and everything They're They're very helpful and very supportive, which is fantastic. I mean, if you think about that experience, right. I, Everywhere we look across the country, I mean, we're seeing a lot of great success and and some Mm -hmm. success happens faster, some is slower. Ultimately, you know, where we see great adoption and uh, great success, often the common denominator there is the leadership within the health system, that there's just Mm -hmm. this um, backing, support the staff, they're all, it, 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 it's just a cohesive team, which um, we love to see and, uh, yeah. and we love to hear. So. Yeah. And I have a really good team underneath me, or <clears throat> I should say working alongside of me um, because I, I, I try not to, you know, I try to let people do what they need to do on a daily basis yeah. and not interfere in most aspects as long as the job is done. And and I have a fantastic team. They really have bonded well together. Uh, they work well together. They cover each other's backs. Um, so that that's helpful as well. When you have a great leadership team and then you also have great staff working with you, it, it makes that part of the job of management much easier. Indeed. 
Indeed. Well, all right. So let's shift gears here. We do this thing called rapid fire questions. Now, you probably have already answered some of these in a, in a, some fashion, but okay. this will be, these are meant for really just kind of, you know, one, two word answer kind of things. And, and we'll, we'll see what your reactions are. So <laughs> all right. uh, favorite part of your career? Um, EP. It really is. Something you know now that you wish you knew before. I wish I knew how cool devices were earlier on in my career. And what would you be doing if you weren't in healthcare? Probably home improvement, like um, <laughs> working with my hands somehow. I love to work with my hands. Right on. Mike, this has been a lot of fun. We, uh, we're learning a lot about Wellspan and how you guys operate. It's, it's been great to hear the evolution of your program and uh you know we we appreciate the opportunity to talk with you today i appreciate it as well i'm i'm excited about the direction we're going and i i, I was really excited to do this so i thank you for having me i appreciate it thanks for tuning into the pulse for more information about merge and how to improve your cardiac device management visit merge.com <laughs>